Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving. With the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health, with an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. Time for the Kentucky Fish and Wildlife UK Basketball Postgame Show on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Coverage of Wildcats basketball is also presented by Ale 81, Kentucky's original ginger soft drink since 1926. Kelly, Kentucky, the employment solution expert, kellyjobs.com. UPS Jobs, apply today at upsjobsky.com. Cox's Spirit Shop and Evergreen Liquors. Genesis Diamonds, the official jeweler of the Kentucky Wildcats. BJ Heating and Cooling, call the experts you can trust. bjheatcool.com. Sonatrol Security, the number one rated security company in Louisville. Sonatrolky.com and Kroger, fresh for everyone. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Gandolfo and Jason Entz. I'm Mike Gandolfo. Jason Entz is with us. Our boy, uh, Zach Cantrell, is, is with us as well. BBZ. ESPN uh, 680 postgame show presented by, presented by Kentucky Fish and Wildlife. Got to make sure I get our sponsors in there. And, uh, yeah, we got, we're going to be doing it this way because Spellman Basketball uh, well, actually, probably it's almost at halftime at this point. I don't know. <laughs> After what was a long game, uh, the Cats dropped one, 97-92. Um, you know, I, they go to a hostile environment. They play a big physical team they, that, uh, that's mature. And um, even though A&M's been struggling offensively this entire season, uh, they did not struggle today. Uh, so they – Get the win against the Cats. And, Jason, what were your big takeaways? I mean, Cal talked this week about – and it wasn't just this game. It was multiple games this week about focusing on crashing the defensive glass. And it's an issue that Kentucky's had in a couple games this season. And, obviously, you know, Texas A&M comes into the game, top team in the country, and offensive rebound rate. You're never going to keep them off the offensive glass. But there were just too many plays, too many stretches in this game, especially down the last five minutes of the game and in overtime, where you just – it was lazy rebounding. You know, and, and you could get some of those rebounds just off effort. It wasn't a technique issue. It was just purely find a guy, box him out, and get the rebound. And I would have settled just for getting in front of him in any way, shape, or form. Like, they were, like, literally just – standing next to dudes and just like watching the play. I mean, that's that you're exactly right with that. We're not even talking about an extreme amount of effort. It's just like, can you just slide over and get in front of someone so they don't have a straight line to the basket to get the board? And, and yeah, Texas Reed Shepard had the one oh, big put that or the one time he didn't box out that ended up turning into an and one. And then you have a one minute possession essentially in overtime, which didn't result in points, but that takes a whole minute away when you're down by five. That just, that, that's the thing that kills you. And when you shoot 39 threes, you're not going to get a lot of rebounding opportunities because everybody's out on the perimeter. Yeah, and, and Texas A&M's five best offensive efficiency performances this year have come in games where they've gotten at least 45% of their offensive rebounds. This makes six. 
So it's it's clear how they want to win games. They're not a great three-point shooting team, which, by the way, of course, they picked today to suddenly break out of their three-point shooting slump. Um, Taylor was 6 of 13 today. He was 3 of 20 the last two games from downtown. But that's how they win games. They get down there. They get second-chance points. And if they don't do that, you beat them. So Kentucky knows that coming into this game. But for me, and, and Mike, you talked about this Tuesday night, and you know, you and I went back and forth while we were watching the game the other night. We were talking about the fact that this team can overcome some of their defensive lapses and they can turn it on when they need to. They couldn't turn it on tonight, and it cost them down the stretch. And I think the thing that upsets me about that, though, Ince, is that you literally let two dudes beat you. You know? Oh, yeah. But we're not talking about that AM had five guys in double figures. They had one cat with 31 and another one with 28. And you let those two guys beat you. And when you got a team like that, it's like, you know, you know, it adjust your defense a little bit, man. I mean, let's go. Let's let's take them out of the ball game. I mean, we saw we've seen teams do it against Reed Shepard right now, and we've got more weapons than most teams out there. And it's as simple as just taking like an extra step and a half to crowd him so he can't just get a wide open look. And I'm tired of hearing this stuff. Like, of course, they shot the three against us tonight better than anyone else. You know why? It's because our perimeter defense flat out sucks. Yeah, and, like, and and when you give a guy who's in a shooting slump two wide open looks in the first three minutes of the game and he hits them, well, why did you give him two wide open looks? That's the worst thing you can do to a guy who's in a slump is give him open looks to start a game because all he's got to do sometimes is see one or two go in and all of a sudden he's right back where he used to be. So yeah. 46 is Rob Dillingham up until the last minute of regulation. Dillingham was just flat out not very good in this game. You know, he did hit those big threes. I get that. But six of 15, three for 10 overall, just not going to get it done. And I think we got to talk about two guys that have been kind of lightning rods at times this year, guys. You know, DJ Wagner with the terrible turnover in regulation when all they have to do is hold on to the ball. They're going to get the last shot. You win or go to overtime. And then we got to we got to discuss Aaron Bradshaw. Did Aaron Bradshaw play in this game? Like I I, I didn't see him out there. Four fouls in six minutes for Bradshaw. Uh, got one offensive rebound, two assists. Actually, two assists in six in six minutes is pretty solid. Um, but only takes one shot, and misses it. Was a non-factor. Uh, we we've we've I think the the conversation for me is more about Bradshaw than it is about Wagner. Wagner played fairly good tonight and he just picked a really bad time to have a really bad mistake I mean he still had 18 points he had four assists he only had two turnovers um you know he wasn't great but he was he was he was pretty good tonight but that one when he had the one turnover was definitely bad Bratch on the other hand we're seeing a systemic problem where the dude will not play in a game that's overly physical and if you want it and if I'm telling you right now like I I'm watching this. I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, you know, an NBA team is going to draft him. That league is incredibly physical, you know. So, you know, how do uh, I'm I'm just curious to see how NBA scouts look at his because he's a freak of a talent overall and his athleticism and whatever else. But it's like he's got to give him. He's got to really work on that and get and help himself for his future because he's got he's going to have another two months basically to show that he can play in a physical ball game and he can be a presence at that point uh, because he does not – and to me, in conference play, you 
you know, you pick that one guy off your bench or whatever else, he'll probably go up against a lot of Chuck Hayes looking kind of dudes that will just body him like no other. And he's going to struggle in that situation. My bigger concern than DJ Wagner was Trey Mitchell. And yeah, Trey, yeah. that's a good point. Even, and even though Trey Mitchell had 13 rebounds, he should have had 20. Right. It, and, well, and overall, and, and again, he had a lot of those offense, of those rebounds on the offensive end. His defensive rebounding was, he had five, which is still really good. But at the end of the day, he, he was in position. He looked so soft out there to me today. Yeah. And it was not the Trey Mitchell that we had been used to at all. And I don't know if it was just because it was a factor that his shots weren't falling or what it was. But, you know, we we typically see a much better Trey Mitchell than what we saw today. And and I lost count. Yeah, three for 13 is not enough. I saw, That's just not good enough. Yeah, I counted at least four rebounds that he had in his hands that he let either slip away or that he just flat out let somebody take it from him. And when you get two hands on the ball, and Cal's preached about this for years, you have to haul that in. But it wasn't just the rebounding. How many times did he go wrong side of a screen? And just let a guy yeah. get and, – and this is an issue that's bothered me for years, and, and commentators like Billis have, have pointed it out repeatedly. Cal's teams don't understand how to push a guard to his offhand. And tonight they repeatedly – they repeatedly got to the side they wanted on a screen, and there was nobody drive. in their way. And then what that, what that did was that somebody had to collapse down, and now you're leaving a wide-open shooter on the perimeter. And this is a real problem, and they've been able to get away with it. But tonight was the first time, and, and I don't know what you guys think. Tonight was the first time that the freshmen looked like freshmen. They looked. Absolutely. This is the first time yeah. they looked lost. They got away with things last week at Florida. They were able to recover. They fell apart down the stretch. You don't get a single point in overtime until forty seconds are left. That that's yeah. just the shot selection wasn't great. I mean, yeah, they they looked like freshmen, and I'm a little disappointed in Trey Mitchell because also he got bullied. He's the guy that's supposed to clean up the rebounding. He's supposed to be the guy that, when this team doesn't rebound consistently, he's the guy that does, and it didn't happen tonight. And Justin Edwards, again, where is Justin Edwards? We're not seeing it out of him. Eight points, just not a big factor in this game. But this was the first time this season that, as you mentioned, the freshmen just, they looked like freshmen. They were able to get it done late against Florida. They never got it done. Dillingham, yes, he hit those big shots down the stretch, but outside of that, I mean, Shepard wasn't particularly great. Wagner was good, not great. It, 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 the stage looked a little bright for them for the first time all season, even more so than the Kansas game. And, and, and we're going to, just like our post-game show on air, we're going to take talkers, speakers, whatever, instead of calls, and we've got one lined up. We'll get to you here in just a second. But did you guys get the feeling, and, and maybe this is the downside of Rob Dillingham turning into Superman at times down the stretch, did you guys get the feeling in overtime that everybody was standing around waiting for him to take over? Yes. And it's one of those things, too, because we get the the narrative from a Zeus coach, like this might be the best ISO player in college basketball, and this is the time when you need an ISO player. You know, and, and Rob Rob might have taken, uh, you know, I, I think Rob gets a little bit of grace on some of his shot selection that he takes. And I, you know, I, I think I had the, probably the most issue with the, the last three he took. Uh, but, you know, the Cats 0 for 8 in overtime from the field. Don't make a field goal at all. Uh, you know, Rob, though, from that standpoint, being super Rob, I also think that when you look at overtime and you go back to how the second half ended and Rob comes off the bench fairly cold because he hadn't played a ton, drains three straight threes, and is really the reason that the Kentucky's even in position to go to overtime, right? So 
but yeah, I mean, I think this was another thing that we really hadn't seen at the end of the day is like, okay, the cats need a basket right here. Who's going to get the basket? How are they going to set them up? What are they going to run? But, and before we get too far in this conversation, I think we got to talk about the coaching here and from a coaching standpoint, from a lack, and I'm not talking about the rebounding thing because the rebounding thing to me is one of those things like, all right, you know, you want to crash the boards and that you know how they want to play and whatever else. And we got to, we do need to get in front of them. We also got to make sure that we know our bread and butter is the transition piece. You can't start the transition without the rebound, but how much are we going to suck guys all the way down to where our transition might not be as effective? But the bottom line is Kentucky got the pace that they wanted today. They wanted this game to be in the 90s. They just didn't know if AM was going to be able to play with them. I look at the the in-game situations, which you go over every freaking day in practice, and the mismanagement of that last – because, yeah, we, we're going to talk about DJ fumbling the basketball, but even when Rob had the ball before that, they, they really didn't look like they had a plan, right? Mm-hmm. And the plan should have been eventually get the ball to Rob in a, in a situation where he's isolated and can go one-on-one with the guy, no doubt about it. Maybe have a couple shooters in the corners or whatever it might be, but they never got really got into anything. And uh, and I just you you work on that stuff every day. And the, when you have games like this, I think you've got to start thinking about okay, like there were some coaching situations there that were like, oh, our guys look like they just never even seen anything like this before. Um, real quick before we get to our uh, our first speaker couple tweets at us. Um, Brian said, tell Zach to spray before he leaves Maven's bathroom. I'm assuming <laughs> that's an audio quality thing. And then Bobby says, um, BHH got physical with Brad Johnny back down. Yeah, it's – I will say his two his two of his fouls tonight were not physicality fouls. They were just simply bad footwork fouls, especially yep. the one coming out of halftime. Right. And, yep. and that's something that you've – I mean, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to – Kentucky has to have you in a game. Onyenso cannot go 31 minutes. He's a good player, but we need we need Bradshaw on the floor, not Onyenso. And Onyenso was gassed at the end of the game. So uh, we're going to go ahead again. Yeah, if no you want to, if you want to jump in, uh, request to speak, and we'll bring in. We're going to bring Aaron in first here. Aaron, what's on your mind? Aaron, are you there? He's connected. I think he's well. Now says he's muted. Let's see. Aaron. Yeah, go ahead and unmute yourself. Right, there you go. Got, you got me. <laughs> we're all figuring this out, Aaron. You know, know we're figuring Aaron. it out. Listen, all season long, um, Kentucky's been very ineffective with layups. They missed a ton of layups again this game. And just um, a mismanagement of just facing on the court, uh, obviously a lack of rebounding. And, you know, what kills me more than anything is to watch a team like A&M who won't hit 13 threes in a game the rest of the season. That type of crap makes me so sick. You knew when everyone was shouting this 26% from as a team from three-point land that they'd go off. And that, and that's exactly is, is the main – I mean, there's obviously more reasons than that, but the main culprit of the loss is them having 12, 13 threes in this game. But, 15. Or, yeah, what was it? We had, we had 15. We had 15. They had 12, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know – I, I just don't understand. And, and as far as that last play before overtime, Kentucky, you know, they're just standing around. And it was an awful pass that Dillingham threw to Wagner, but still you can't cough that up, man, like that. And so uh, 
I don't understand why he keeps taking Reeves out of the game. You need him the last three, four minutes of a game, especially in a tight one like this. But until Kentucky's defense gets better um, to catch up with where they are offensively, uh, there's going to be a lot of, lot more games like this as conference goes along late. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think we – I kind of said, I think NCU were like three conference losses on the year, if I remember. I think I was closer to five. And, you know, it's we're going to probably be in that range. It's going to be three to five. And the bottom line is knowing that there's going to be some losses, it's just know that's going to happen. But are they going to take the step forward out of the loss? Like, that's what, that's what has to happen. And the one thing that we can just – hope for is that there were things exposed tonight. If they start taking those things a little bit more seriously, because there's like the defensive adjustments that we really need to make are not, they're not, they're not like life altering. It's, it's literally, I think and you said it with the footwork foul, a lot of it's footwork, but a lot of it's just flat out positioning and just rotation stuff. Right. I mean, Kentucky Cal- got destroyed on rotations tonight. I mean, just absolutely oh, yeah. destroyed on defensive rotations. But but part of that, and and I'm going to get to your you know takeaways here in a second. But I think part of that is teams understand how Cal plays, and Cal has always had a. I don't know what it is, but he's always had a, a just stubbornness about hedging screens. He's always about switching, 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 and this team doesn't switch well. And that's a big problem. So it's on Cal that he's either got to figure out a way to get them better at switching, or he's going to have to change how he coaches defensively. Because this team has gotten away with playing poor defense throughout the season. They've gotten away with sending guys to the line all season. Texas A&M took 30 free throws today. Kentucky is one of the worst teams in the country at giving up free throws. And that will kill you against good teams, and it will kill you in the tournament. And he is going to have to figure out a way. Look, I give him full credit. He changed how he runs his offense this year. He he adapted. He brought guys in. He listened to them. He's going to have to do the same thing defensively because I have lost track of how many wide open rim runs teams have gotten, and it is killing us. If this team defends just a little bit better, they win the game. I mean, yep. for all the things that we're saying negatively – for all the stuff that we're sitting here looking at and saying, well, this sucked and this sucked and this has got to improve, still barely lost. It went to overtime and you lost by five on the road in a hostile environment. Clean a couple a desperate team. Clean a couple things up and you're right where you need to be. That's my takeaway from this. And the other takeaway is hopefully this will wake them up to the fact that you can't just turn it on every game defensively because they couldn't do that today. They've gotten away with it. They couldn't do it today. And for the first time, a team punched them in the mouth and they didn't have an answer for it. And I think – No, they need to be better defensively for an entire 40-minute stretch. There can't be this 30 to 35 minutes where they're not great on defense and then they've got a five-minute stretch where the other team just doesn't score. The rotations just flat out have to be better. You can't give up 32 three-point attempts and give up 30 free-throw attempts because those are those are absolute killers. You just cannot allow – Kentucky or you cannot allow the opponents to get to the free throw line as often as they are and the fact of the matter is they got somewhat fortunate that A&M is not a good free throw shooting team because they left a lot of points on the free throw line otherwise this game would not have gone into overtime so that's some adjustments they've got to make rebounding's got to be paramount but you know it we're it's the same things that we talk about over and over it's the same things it's the rebounding it's the lack of perimeter defense eventually these things have got to get fixed and 
Aaron Bradshaw has to be a factor. We can't have this six-minute stretch out of him anymore where he does absolutely nothing. He's got to step up, man up, and be the guy that we all thought he would be, or this team isn't going to achieve their goals. And, I mean, and I'm, I'm looking at oh, – go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I was, I'm looking at the, uh, the shot chart. Do you realize that nobody other than Rob Dillingham made a field goal in the final 529 of regulation and the five minutes in overtime? It doesn't surprise yeah. me. Yeah. Almost yeah. 11 minutes, Kentucky made four field goals, and they all came from Dillingham, and they all came in regulation. Somebody's got to step – where was Antonio Reeves? Well, I mean, that's the point where was... I think we're making about on the defense is that, you know, Buzz makes a, uh, makes a, a change on the defensive end and shadows Reeves, not letting Reeves get comfortable with, uh, with shooting. And we can't make an adjustment on offense. We can't even make the first adjustment on defense. Right, and we so we can't figure out how to get Rees open or how to come, you know, run them off screens or do whatever else. Or, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's that's really discerning because Rees did uh, kind of disappear, but it had more to do with Texas A&M was doing uh, than and how we didn't respond as a team to try to figure out how to make sure that Rees stays involved. And uh, and to the point about Aaron made about missing layups, yeah, we were thirteen for twenty four around the basket. Uh, with the, the Wagner side. problem. He misses a lot of layups. That's just been a continuous theme throughout the entire season. But it had improved. But it improved the last yeah. two games. That's the, that's the part that worries me. Right. That had improved yeah. the last two games, and it was an issue. But how many did he leave short? He left at least three of them short that went off the front of the room tonight. Yeah, that shows a lack of confidence when you're leaving them short. If you want to join in the conversation, we have we have plenty of time here for you guys. This is your guys' show, so if you want to speak, go ahead and send a request, and we'll get you on. What did you got? And and look, I'm I'm glad it didn't become an issue. I really am because I hate blaming referees for anything. We got to talk about the goal ten call. Yeah, it was, that it is one of the sense. worst rules in basketball. Because well, it's, so, it's there because the Kentucky game, right? The, the Kentucky LSU game. Yeah, so yeah. Kentucky. For anybody that missed it, Kentucky gets a layup or goes in for a basket in the first half. I think like seven minutes left, gets blocked. They call goaltend. They go back and review it at the under four timeout and take it away. Now it was the right call. I, I not have a problem with the call. It was not a goaltend. My issue is Kentucky gets the rebound and they're going to lay it back up most likely and in. But you blow the whistle, you call the goaltend, and then you play on. How does that not get reviewed in real time? I think that's exactly right, and that was my concern. And I, you all were watching on TV at that point. I was listening to, to Tom Leach and Goose Givens, um, and just kind of when it was all going down, and uh, and and Leach was like, "Man, they just took two points off the off the glass," and and I guess Orlando and Tigo was close to the scores table and was telling the referees, "Like, yeah, but we got the offensive rebound," and they were fighting for, and obviously that two points ends up being super super important. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it seems like they did get the call right. But the the mechanic and the follow up of just doesn't feel like that's the way it should be done, and uh, and hopefully they get that fixed because I it, if you're going to take two points off the board, you know you got to take into account what happens immediately following. Just like with football, it's like if they said if there was a clear recovery on something, they said somebody was down, but it ends up being a fumble, and there was still a clear recovery, they'll give them the recovery. Uh, mm-hmm. There's got to be something like that along the lines where that basketball can adjust because Kentucky ends up losing on that one big time, you know? 
Yeah, and, and Billis pointed out, because they showed the replay about 30 seconds after, and you could see it was not a goaltend. And Billis pointed out, he's like, they're going to go on the under-four timeout and review that. And they and they're probably going to take the points away. And that was when I was sitting there. I'm like, well, wait a minute, we got the ball. I understand the rule. I think it's a stupid rule. I think they need to fix it. But yeah, I mean, I don't think at the end of the day it would have mattered. I think we made too many mistakes down the stretch. Sure. But you're also if you get those two points, you're winning at halftime. And and who knows what happens? It's just it it bothered me. It's a dumb rule. I'm just glad. Like I said at the end of the day, it wasn't a one or two point loss to where we're sitting there saying. But the refs. Right. And the other call that was kind of, uh, you know, was the call at the end of the game. Not this wasn't this one actually went in Kentucky's favor. Um, was the the offensive foul on the three point shot when the guy stuck, you know, is landing and he sticks his leg out. And if people remember, I think it was like two seasons ago, they started making that a point of uh, a point of um, uh, what's the emphasis, emphasis, right? A point of emphasis. emphasis yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and if you see the video, if he comes down straight, there's no contact. He comes down, sticks his leg out. We're we're really lucky that Reed didn't turn his ankle uh, on the guy's foot, honestly. And uh, you know, and that was 100% the right call. But I know a lot of people were confused about that one too because the the offensive guy, the shooter, initiated the contact. Yeah, and I felt like that was the right call. For, I'm, you know, I'm obviously a soccer guy. I. I compare that to a flop in soccer. You're clearly looking to create contact. You're clearly looking to try to get the foul. That's a dangerous play. Yeah. I mean, anything can happen. We've seen guys, you know, tear ligaments. We've seen guys blow up their ankles from, from something like that. You've got to give him the opportunity to land. Um, I didn't see an issue with that, but again, at the end of the day, didn't matter. We still lost by five. So there's not anybody that's going to come at the end and say, well, that cost us the game. And no, I mean, because you also got the the Reed Shepherd, you know, got fouled, but did he get fouled? And he ends up hitting the two free throws. And, you know, there's all kinds. There's there's going to be things like that in every game, right? You know, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it all evened out. It was not a well-officiated game, but it's not one of the headliners as to why Kentucky ended up losing. Uh, all right. Do we have anybody who wants to get on? Who wants yeah, to talk anybody- with us? Yeah, anybody that wants to chat, shoot us a request, and we will or a uh, yeah request, and we'll get you in here. Because um, I got a couple got a other couple, things. Oh, go ahead. Zach. I was gonna say we got a couple other messages on. Um, I need to pull up the text line as well, but we got a couple other messages here on Twitter to us. Um, to, uh, UK versus Wisconsin game is the reason for the goaltending rule change, um, and then Luther gives his regards. Yeah, we we caught that. That was you, Luther. I was very disappointed uh, we didn't hear the word bum. <laughs> uh, you know, let's talk just real quick about the opportunity that Kentucky kind of let slip through their fingers today because you're, you're out, you know, obviously this is a chance for a road SEC win, which is always huge. It's a, it's a chance at a quad one. You get the, the number one, two, four, and five all in front of you lose. So when you have all three, all four of those teams lose, you got a chance to go to move up in the polls. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. Um, It's going to be real interesting to me this year, too, to see the discrepancy of where Kentucky's ranked in the polls versus how the computer systems seem to like them and how that affects Kentucky's seeding overall. But the uh, they had some opportunities today to kind of, you know, gain some ground and it slips through their fingers. So. Um, I, I don't know if that stuff's ever really a, on the forefront of a team's mind going into it, 
You know, I think that's more of a hindsight. It's like, oh, man, we missed out on opportunity. Um, and, again, it's still January. So there's plenty of time to make that stuff up. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I, they did miss out on a little bit of an opportunity maybe to kind of crack into that top. You know, where would they have been? Would they have been number three, number two? I'm, I'm not really sure, you know. Yeah, yeah and, that's a good point. You look yeah. at the metrics and, like, the ESPN, the FPI, they had Texas A&M winning this game. I think it was, like, 67% of the time. So the metrics and the computers haven't necessarily caught up with how good Kentucky is to this point. But this is one of those results that make people wonder, you know, where the metrics right. So, I look, it's January. Every top team is losing on the road. So I don't want to make more of it than what it is. But – Hopefully for Kentucky, this is a learning experience, but I, I think it was a missed opportunity. But again, I don't want to make more out of it than what it is. Yeah, and, and looking ahead, you know, your your next two games are at home. You got Mississippi State, you got Georgia. That gives you two opportunities to learn from this game, figure things out, work on, you know, your switching, work on how you're going to defend pick and roll, which has really been a problem, not just this year, but throughout Cal's tenure. Um, and then you've got two very difficult road games because for whatever reason, this team always struggles at South Carolina. And then you got to go to Arkansas. So these next two games at home, I think it's important that they're not immediately going right back on the road because this is a, a team with a lot of young players and they've played mature throughout this season. But I would worry if we had another road game coming up right after this one, that things could snowball a little bit. And you could have a little bit of a slump. Having two teams at home that look Mississippi State's twelve and three, but I don't I don't really think they're that great of a team. And Georgia's twelve and four, but it's the same thing. I don't really think they're that great of a team. You shouldn't have any problem with these two teams in terms of getting points. Find a way to show that you can defend and make these games easier than they've been recently. Well, uh, Mississippi now, Georgia State did give Tennessee a game today. They actually led by eleven in the second half and. Tennessee and then completely peed down their leg at the end. And then That's Mississippi right. State <laughs> did uh, beat did beat Tennessee, right? Didn't and then um, and and so they that was Tennessee's loss earlier yeah, in the week. Mississippi State beat Tennessee. That's right. And then also uh, they are ranked ahead of Texas A and M in the Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, but I kind of agree with you. And so I mean, those are two games that Kentucky should be able to win. They should be able to get the W there. They should be able to hopefully make those strides and take steps forward before you go on the road and play, like you said, two tough road and two tough road venues. Um, because, you know, it, we talked about it earlier this week. It does not. And actually right now, uh, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Uh, the, the conference schedule for Kentucky does not get easier. Like, I mean, they, they run through a gauntlet at the end. So, Oh yeah. Um, and it really kind of starts with that road trip because you know you, you got Florida after that and then Tennessee and then I think Vandy's going to be a laugher but then you got Gonzaga, you got Ole Miss, you got Auburn, you know, Jay Williams this on uh, game day this morning talking about you know, how he thinks Auburn's a final four team. Um you got all kinds of just really tough opponents the rest of the way. It, it's it's not going to be easy, you know. So uh you're going to figure out what this team's made of for sure uh going through a tough conference uh schedule and you know those road games are the making of you. And uh, we'll see if they can figure it out because if they're going to compete and they're going to win six straight, if they're going to win four straight, go to the final four, they've got to make some of these adjustments. And and one thing too, and, and again, this is going to be something where Kentucky is going to have to learn quick. Mississippi State ranks 56th in the country in offensive rebound rate. So this is going to be another team that is going to test Kentucky on their defensive rebounding. 
And hopefully, you know, if Bradshaw can stay out of foul trouble and, and be out there. Because I, th- I think that's a big thing that we haven't talked about. Yes, we talked about him not being on the floor. But we desperately missed his rebounding and his shot blocking. Agana gave us good minutes, and I think that he needs did. to be praised. But he also, again, it goes back to he played 31 minutes. He's still, you know, he's still working himself back in. They desperately needed Bradshaw out there, and you get absolutely nothing from him in terms of rebounding. But other guys needed to step up, and it wasn't just Trey. You know, earlier in the year we praised the guards for for crashing the glass, for helping out on rebounding. You did not have that today. You had pulled up here. You had two from from Wagner. He was getting three, four, five earlier in the year. Rob didn't get you a single rebound, and and I get it. He's wanting to get out in transition, but he was a guy that earlier in the year, you know, at one point flirted with a triple double. Those are the guys that need to be helping out and getting those rebounds. And I'd be curious to hear from Cal um, in his post game conference press conference what he has to say about what their plan was to limit the offensive rebounds because the whatever they changed at halftime for that first eight to 10 minutes of the second half, they were markedly better at limiting second chance opportunities. And in fact, at, I think it was uh 12 minute mark, Kentucky had a seven point lead. They had a 75% probability of winning according to ESPN. But after that, something changed. I don't know if it was, an adjustment Texas A&M made, or if Kentucky just stopped doing whatever they were doing, they suddenly started getting whooped on the offensive glass. And you mentioned that John Calipari press conference, which we're not going <laughs> to but it is delivered by the Kentucky Office of Highway Safety. Whether you walk, pedal, or drive, let's share the road safely. Share the road, Kentucky. And we do have that UPS Jobs text line wide open right now. Ince is looking at it, 502-437-9680. If you want to join the conversation that way, um, we welcome you those the text on the text line has been really good, really strong uh, the last couple of games. So uh, make sure you you keep that going on five zero two four three seven nine six eighty. I'm Mike Indolfo, Jason Ince, and big 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 blue Zach BBZ <laughs> is with us today. We're we're turning him. He's no longer an Ohio State fan. He's going to be all blue here pretty soon. So Zach was forced to make a decision on the show yesterday. So. I was. Dribble pointed out the fact that he keeps flip flopping back and forth. It's you know when he's on no, no, Louisville no. Sports Live, so it's we. Yeah, so oh, so to, yeah, he's trying to get me on the Louisville side. Then he's like, "No, we already got enough Louisville honks." But that, so his thing now, we're calling him what, his honkiness. Honkiness, yeah. honkiness <laughs> yes. That's racist. Uh, but yeah, if you want to, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to join in the conversation, you can um, hit the button to request to speak, and we'll get you in here. Um, otherwise, we'll start wrapping things up here shortly. What do you, what do you guys want to see the most on Tuesday night? Like, what is the one thing that you want to see this team adjust or focus on the most from from what went wrong tonight? Well, I would love to start just seeing their defensive transition uh, be. So, I mean, their offensive transition is so good. I would love for their defensive transition just to be average. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I feel like if they can just start to get some. Some just semblance that they even want to play defense, that would be nice on my end. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I want to see, see the, the ability to. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Zach. I was going to say, I want to see them clean up the glass. I actually want to see them emphasize the rebounding because it's been something they've talked about for so long and it didn't happen today. And we saw it, it just absolutely killed this team with offensive rebounds. Texas AM, I mean, as a team in total, they only shot 37 or a, they, they shot 40%, which. 
is a fine number, but in the second half, they didn't really shoot the ball all that well, but they kept getting offensive rebounds, and the killer was 94-89. They gave up back-to-back offensive rebounds, and like I mentioned, it didn't lead to points for A&M, but it led to a minute-long possession, which took away time for Kentucky to have a chance to come back and win that game. So I think they, we need to see more of a point of emphasis on rebounding, which will lead to better transition opportunities, and when you rebound the ball, you don't give up the second chances that they gave up today. So the perimeter shooting, all that, that's going to be helped by the fact that they're going to rebound the basketball. So I think that's the most important point of emphasis is they need to own the, the glass because if they don't do that, they're going to continue to struggle. And that's more of a point of emphasis on Aaron Bradshaw. That's a point on Trey Mitchell. Don't be so soft in the lane, guys. Get the boards and start your possessions and you'll have more success. Rebounding is the most important thing. No, no rebounds, no rings. That's what Pat Riley used to say. And Kentucky's allowing, and, and I'm with you, I think both of these play a key role into the defense. Kentucky's allowing 58.8% on close twos. They are giving up way too much of a freebie to teams on shots near the rim for a team that has two shot blockers. Because there's no excuse for you to be getting that many easy looks. And that comes down to not not winning the battle at the top of the lane, allowing your guy to get by you and everything collapses and breaks down. And then not cleaning up when you force. I mean, how many times today did Onyenso force a bad shot with his length just to get somebody on the backside getting an offensive rebound? Oh yeah, tell me about it. And just and just think about it. They are able to uh, to clean up that stuff, and we know how good this team is. Offensive transition because we're talking about things that actually start the offensive transition, right? And right. it's crazy to think that the the ceiling of what this team could be scoring is even higher. If they start rebounding and continue that efficiency up on the offensive transition side, but they create more turnovers, they're creating bad possessions, and they're, all this stuff kind of goes in and they're able to finish the deal with grabbing the basketball either on the rebound or steal or whatever it might be and trigger that transition, that is a recipe for this team to just level up to, I mean, they might be starting to average close to 100 points a game, um, which is crazy to even think about, you know, but – that's that's really it's what's within their grasp right now. So and and to that point, one thing Kentucky's been exceptional at all season is forcing turnovers. They did not force turnovers tonight. Credit Texas A and M. They took care of the basketball. They only committed nine turnovers in forty five minutes of play. And turnovers yeah. has been a big part of Kentucky's game plan. So you didn't even get those easy baskets. And even when you did get turnovers, there were two that got blocked. Like the Dillingham one in, I can't remember if it was late regulation or overtime, where the guy like lined him up and waited mm-hmm. for the block. Dillingham's got to go in stronger. You could tell from the jump he was looking afraid that he was going to get blocked, and he gave that guy yeah, time that to line it up. With Solomon Washington. Yeah, and and that was a, I mean that was a that was an easy basket. You cut it to one point there, but you could tell from the moment he got to over on the three point line, he's looking back like, oh boy, is he going to block my shot? And just took way too long and let the guy read everything he was going to do. Yep. So, again, if you want to, before we start wrapping things up, if you want to jump in and speak, um, we've got a couple more minutes here. You can hit the request button, and we will bring you on and, and get your thoughts. All right, Ed, i got to ask you a question. All Did right. I see that we are celebrating the 75th anniversary of the AP poll in the all-time – they did an all-time poll, and, of course, the number one team in the all-time poll – is your Kentucky Wildcats. As it should be. As it should be. As it should be. Because there's no other there's no other basketball. Don't give me UCLA. 
They won all their titles 50 years ago, except for one. You still get number five in the poll, by the way. Duke is third. Yeah, don't give me Duke. Don't give me any of these teams. It's UK. Indiana, the team that got screwed, I think, in this poll the most is probably UConn at 17. Indiana uh, is number eight. Uh, so you got those two teams, I guess, because UConn, with most of their uh, success coming in the latter half of those 75 years, and I guess Indiana yeah. coming, you know, most of their success coming at the beginning of those 75 years, um, I guess that's kind of where what hurt them in the poll. A uh, little surprise that Louisville was still ahead of Indiana, you know, because when you consider all things, you know, uh, but Louisville came in at six. Uh, so, yeah, the, if people haven't seen it, Kentucky won, Carolina is two. That would be North Carolina. Duke three, Kansas four, UCLA five, Louisville six, Arizona seven, Indiana eight, Syracuse nine, even with just one title, uh, Michigan State 10. Ohio State, by the way, is 11, So, we'll, but we'll stop right there. So, um, if you want to see that top 25, I'm sure you can Google it and find it pretty easily. Um, yeah. Catch number by the one. Way. By the way, speaking of, of stats, uh, this is from our guy Corey Price. Uh, Kentucky's 92 points scored, tied for the most ever scored in a loss in the Cal era, tied with the 97-92 loss. Exact same score, by the way, uh, to UCLA back in uh, December of 2016. I'll never forget the uh, growing up, and I'm sure you remember this game too, the the Kansas game you know, when Patino scored 95 and we still lost by 55. We lost 150 to 95. Ugh. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> By the way, this is the fifth time since 2013 that Kentucky and Texas A&M have gone to overtime. Yeah, we, they were uh, on the on – At least at least time we didn't lose this time on a, on a BS call with Isaac Humphreys. On the broadcast, my wife – you know, they said they called it a rivalry. And my wife's like, I don't know if this is a rivalry. And I was like, I said, I don't know. The last couple times they've played, this game has been incredibly well – you know, it's been tight, competitive, uh, and entertaining. And, if, and at the end of the day – we saw a really good basketball game today. We saw a lot of, a lot of turns. It was entertaining. It was exciting. We didn't get the result we wanted, uh, obviously, but it was a good basketball game. Oh yeah, especially for anybody that was a neutral. For us, it sucked. But as in, in terms of entertainment, I mean, you had clutch shots down the stretch. You had drama. You had referees getting involved. I mean, you had every aspect that you could want of a of a great college basketball game. It just unfortunately at the end. Kentucky didn't do what they needed to do. But again, I go back to the fact of we have a laundry list of issues that we're taking away from this game and we lost in overtime by five points. So Mm -hmm. clean a couple things up and, and look, don't forget Kentucky was not the favorite in this game, which a lot of people were, you know, questioning like, why is Texas A&M favored by three when they're unranked in Kentucky's top 10? This is why, because they're not a terrible team. They're a team that had strengths that took advantage of Kentucky's weaknesses. And that's not an easy place to play. So this was not a game where Kentucky was favored to win. And like you pointed out earlier, Zach, ESPN had Kentucky winning this one out of three times. Right. All right, let's get to this. This is a desperate Texas A&M team that, you know, preseason they were picked second in the SEC. And they really haven't lived up to that. But they had to have this game to stay somewhat in the mix. I mean, they were 9-6 and six coming in. So you're playing a desperate team on the road in a difficult environment. And obviously there's no – you don't take anything out of losing by five as a positive. But, I mean, the things that they need to improve on are easily fixable. I mean, this isn't something – I know it's the same issues over and over again, but this isn't something that is just, you know, this is what we have to live with and that's it. 
these are easily correctable mistakes, and I think they'll get them figured out over the course of the season, but it's, they've got to do it eventually. And, and look, it's, it's important to remember that Solomon Washington missed those last two games. I didn't think he'd be as important as he was for them, but the energy he brought, I can see now why they lost by double digits both games without him. Because he, I mean, he had nine rebounds, but he had so many other instances where he t- he tapped the ball away and tapped it out and allowed somebody else to get the rebound that he didn't get credit for. He actually led them in plus minus with, at plus ten. So oh, I believe it. I mean, his he he was what we're missing, and and we haven't even mentioned this. He gave them what we're missing with the Duthiero being out. Yeah, that's true. I, and I think, point. and I think that's an important thing that we haven't mentioned that we need to keep in mind is is it we weird don't by the way that, that we're energy. not that we're not getting really strong updates on him and it's kind of been all kind of vague and Cal, I mean, no because Cal's always been that way. I, I Cal has always been cryptic about injuries and things like that and players' health. I'm just I, hoping, I I'm just hoping it's not worse. It's not worse than what I think we you know. I think we just kind of felt like he had a little bit of a, of a pool and. I'd be back out there pretty soon, but you know we'll see. All right, let's let's get to that UPS jobs uh, top twenty five scoreboard. Well, we got to do. Well, we got to do player of the game first. All right, all right, all right. Go ahead. <laughs> um, well, I'll let you guys pick first who you have for player of the game. Zach, who did you like? Oh, yeah, that's a tough call. I'm gonna. In the first half, I would have given it to Reeves because he was carrying the team in the first half, but he was kind of invisible in the second half. By default, I guess I've got to give it to Dillingham because he was the only guy that actually scored in the last, what, five, 11 minutes of the game. So, oh, yeah, 11 minutes. He, 11 minutes. That's what, yeah. So he almost single handedly gave him a chance to win. So I guess by default, I got to give it to Dillingham, but I don't feel that great about it. You know, Kentucky only had two guys in the positive on the plus minus Reed with plus four and Jordan Burks with at plus three. Um, I don't know if I really feel comfortable giving it to either one of them. I would probably be at the Reed or Dillingham uh, level. Um, but Zach, I kind of like your, I like your reason. I'll, 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 you know what though? Dillingham was the worst plus minus on the team at minus 10. Uh, and even in those 24 minutes. Uh, so I'll go to, I'm going to go with Reed Shepard almost by default. I'm not sure anybody really deserved it today. I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to give it to Gananyenso because this is a guy there's, there's no way he expected to have to play 31 minutes coming into this game. But he gave Kentucky seven points, ten rebounds, and he blocked five shots. And and he did so, and this is something we haven't discussed, he only committed two fouls. He play, he, there were some mistakes. He made some mistakes. But he also had very little breathing space. He had very little rest, especially down the stretch. You'll notice Cal never put, and I, I was kind of surprised with this, he never put Bradshaw back in after the fourth foul. Right. He never brought him back in. I expected he would in those last four minutes after that timeout and maybe, you know, see what you can get out of him before he gets that fifth foul. But he never gave Onyenso that rest. But he played exceptionally well in a hostile environment, by far his most minutes in a long time. I could 100% get on board with Onyenso as being the player of the game. So I like that better than my Shepherd pick. <laughs> yeah, can I? Can I, I want to redo. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, now we'll get to the UPS jobs uh, top twenty-five scoreboard. The games that are already in the books. We talked about it earlier. Tennessee travels to Athens and knocks off the Georgia Bulldogs, eighty-five to seventy-nine. They are two and one SEC play. 
Uh, it looks like we're going to have a log jam of people at 2-1 in SEC play. Uh, North Carolina crushes Syracuse, 103-67 to in the Dean Dome. Wisconsin, 71-63 to over Northwestern. Um, Creighton uh, gets a, takes on the Johnnies, the Fighting Rick Patinos. Uh, at home, Creighton beats St. John's 66-65. to Kansas knocks off Oklahoma 78-66. to And uh, we talked about Kentucky losing to Texas A&M. San Diego State drops a big one to New Mexico. They lost by 18 points on the road. We take, you know, conference road games are tough. They lost 18 points on the road to New Mexico. Purdue bounces back after a loss earlier this week and knocks off Penn State 95-78. Utah State 87, UNLV 86. And then number 21, Clemson knocks off Boston College 89-78. And so I'll let you go through the games that are in progress right now if you want to. Well, I or do you have do pulled that. up? Do you have it pulled up? I can I can do that. I've got it pulled up here. Um, games that are currently going on right now and what to watch for um, right now. Presented BYU by Cox is Evergreen Lakers. You know, there you go. go. I was going to do it at the end, but there you go. All right, all right. Um, our, our pals over at Cox's. Um, BYU, number 18 in the country, is up 40 to 33 with 13 and a half minutes to go in that one. Number 11, Duke, uh, 528-23 over Georgia Tech with eight minutes to go in the first half. Later tonight, you have number two, Houston, at TCU. That game's at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, Number eight, Arizona, travels to Washington State. LSU travels to number 16, Auburn. Number 25, Texas, goes to West Virginia. All those games tipping at 6. And then the 8 o'clock game, number 14, Baylor, hosts Cincinnati. There were 133 Division I college basketball games today. So if you want college basketball, you have college basketball from noon until you pass out at like two o'clock in the morning tonight. And of course, we know that most of you guys are going to be watching the NFL. Uh, the Browns and Texans are going on right now. Texans leading the Browns seventeen to fourteen. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think you all know. I don't know, but I'm a 49ers fan, so I want the 49ers to be there. But the 49ers aren't in the Super Bowl. How cool would it be to see the Lions versus the Browns? I think it would be just incredible for <laughs> to see that. Uh, the, it would be a sign of the apocalypse and that the world is ending if we get the lines in the buy, buy stock in furniture companies because people will need to replace couches in those two cities. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. The only they other might game... need to do that. The Browns just win the day. They, if the Browns won a playoff game, they celebrate like they win the Super Bowl. And then the game tonight, which is, you know, uh, it's going to be negative something degrees in Kansas City when the Chiefs host the Dolphins. How big of a how big of a home field advantage is that? Not only is it the loudest place in the NFL, but the Dolphins have got to go play in negative degree weather uh, tonight. I think, I think one thing that has been forgotten about that is the fact that Tyreek Hill is used to it. Well, he is. I think that is a key part of that because that ain't going to bother Tyreek Hill. And no. if you have him able to make plays, you've got a chance to win that game. And that is going to be the storyline the there. Because is, is this the first time he's They shook? also run the ball really well. Yeah, the Dolphins actually are second in the league in rushing, and I will say this: once it gets to a certain degree of cold, I'm not sure that it benefits anybody. But people in Florida wear jackets when it gets below 60 degrees, so I'm pretty sure with a negative 30 windshield, they're not going to be all that comfortable. And anybody that missed it, and anybody that missed it, speaking of horrible weather, the Pittsburgh at Buffalo game has been moved to Monday, so we get Monday afternoon football for those folks who will be stuck at work, like myself. 
4.30 in the afternoon, Steelers and Bills playing hopefully in a blanket of snow because uh, that game should be played in a ton, in a ton of snow, right? Because I mean, Monday – yeah. Because be. Monday – some of y'all will be off because Monday is a bank holiday, so. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of a if, – if this opening round is routinely going to hit Martha Luther King weekend, I think it's a great idea. You know, go for it. Put it on there. Put put the two games on Monday. I like it. Maybe maybe this will be one of those unintentional changes that actually sticks. Go two games each day. Maybe. So. All right. Well, Zach, Zach, hum some music as we the hum our uh, exit song or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not, not bad for not bad for our uh, first Twitter spaces. Hopefully, we won't have to do too many of these this year. Bellerman unfortunately clashed with us, so we had to do this, but. But this is fun. Yeah, like it's a little different, right? I like it, and I'm not too worried about like if a cuss word pops out or something like that. It's kind of nice, you know. Yeah, so, Luther. Luther you like was not having to go into the studio because it's 20 degrees and it feels like 10. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then you know, just I'm up here in Lexington, gonna go have dinner with my kids tonight, and and uh, you know, just enjoy it. My my daughter did say watching that game several times that uh, if we would have done that in defense when I coached her. And seventh and eighth grade girls basketball that I would have lost my shit. So, um, you know, hey, there we go. We got to the end, and then we dropped one. Hey, <laughs> I was uh, disappointed. I was disappointed. Luther for once was allowed to cuss and didn't. <laughs> Central Arkansas, by the way, is up on Bellman thirty-four to thirty-three early in the second half. So come on, Scotty D, pulling out for the for the home folks. Be the one team uh, that gets the W out of the Louisville, UK, and and Bellman squads. So. There we go. All right. Well, join us on Tuesday night on regular channel and regular time. What? It's a seven o'clock tip, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, now, now you're asking me questions. Yes, yeah. like, yeah, seven o'clock. Off. Seven o'clock tip off on Tuesday night. Um, so around nine o'clock, join me. Join Big Mike. Join BBN Zach um, for the UK basketball post game show. We will go live as soon as the game ends. And we, as always, we're your first place. To discuss the game, Kentucky on ESPN has a 72.8% chance of winning. So it should be a fun post-game show instead of what we had tonight. All right, fellas. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. Right, this has been the UK Basketball Post-Game Show presented by Kentucky Fish and Wildlife. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Go Cats.